Hello and welcome to another special episode of Keep Right On, the Birmingham City podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live by myself, Brian Dick, and himself, uh, Blues reporter Alex Dickin. Hi, Alex. Hi, Brian. Uh, I'm delighted to say we're also joined by a former player and who, for someone who's born in Watford, is something like football royalty in here in the West Midlands, uh, having represented uh, both Blues and local rivals West Bromwich Albion. Uh, tough tackling and plain talking ex-defender Paul Robinson. Hi, Paul. Thanks very much for joining us. How are you doing? Yeah, more good. Thanks, Brian. All well. Got lots of time on your hands now, have you? Yeah, got a spare bit of time. So uh, now I'm really enjoying it. Spending a lot more time with the family. It's been a it's been a long two and a half years up and down the motorway away from them. So yeah, for me, it's just a, a nice little break that my uh, that my body needs, but also my my mind needs it as well. How were you? How often were you sort of travelling up and down? Were you was was it? I mean, you must have racked up thousands of miles because uh, Millwall is it's the it's the difficult side of London if you're coming from the Midlands as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's not uh, it's not ideal to get to. Um, so I'll probably say I was travelling. Three to four times a week, um, and then staying down when I needed to stay down. Obviously, the games on a Tuesday would make it a lot easier, so I'd get the train down to games as well because um, it was an e- easier route for me to uh, to the stadium. But yeah, the training grounds, the obviously it's the other side of the M25 where you're going around past Heathrow and that. So yeah, that was uh, that was my favourite car park on an evening, the M25. <laughs> you know that it became quite creative at spending ways to uh, while away a few hours when uh, when you were on the M25 car park. What are you doing with yourself now, Robbo? Now you've uh, your travelling time is reduced by about a million hours a week. Now I'm just for me it's uh, recharging, uh, making making sure my body's recovering properly, spending quality time with the family that I've missed out on over the two and a half years. Um, watching my boys play football on a Saturday, which is lovely, but also joining in games with my with one of my oldest lads as well, which is which is great for me because I want to stay healthy. I want to I want to keep my mind right, and then catching up with people that you've that you've missed out on, like yourselves, Brian, and uh, and and people that I haven't had time to go out on nights out and have food and drinks with. Um, so yeah, I'm just going to spend as much time with them as possible until the time's right for me to try and get back into the game again. Look back at your time at, at Millwall. What do you, what do you take from that experience? Because it it was kind of, I, I know you you you've done loads and loads of coaching, but it was kind of your first championship role, wasn't it? What 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 do you what do you take for the, from the the couple of years you spent there? Um, I take of a lot of experience and on knowledge what I picked up from um, from obviously working with Gary again on a on a coaching side because obviously I only worked with him under as a player, so you never really got to see what happened behind the scenes. Um, so, yeah, I picked up a lot of stuff from him. I picked up a lot of stuff from other coaches that worked at, at the football club. Um, the people that I worked with, obviously, were fantastic people. And I can't speak highly enough of them and, and the great work that they do behind the scenes. The players, I've learned a lot, as like you say, from a first-team environment of what football's all about now in uh, the totally different mindsets and, and the totally different ways of trying to speak and communicate to players on a different level. Um, no, so for me, I've, I've grown as a person, um, which is great. Uh, and I can take all of them experiences now into, into where the future lies for me. And that's, and that's just only being patient and waiting for that opportunity to happen. What was the biggest eye-opener, Robbo, would you, would you say? What, what was the most different thing? Um, I think the biggest eye-opener for me is um, the communication from a player's side of you with how quiet they are now. Um, the afraid of, of, of speaking up and saying certain things, I think... 
when I grew up, it was all no hard bold. It was um, you, you tell someone how you're feeling, but not in a not in a negative way. You you're trying to help, but you're also you, you you've got that winning mentality. So I found the quietness in a dressing room after you've lost the game and no one really saying anything. I found that quite strange, um, and I wouldn't want that. I want I want a togetherness. I want people to have their opinions, but not being where they're crossing the line. Because it's about it's about moving forward as a group and having that winning mentality all together, not just not just staff and, and myself. It's it's the group collectively. Is where do you want to go? Where do you want to take the club? Why why do you think players are different now, Robert? Why why are they you know much quieter than they would have been back in your day when you were first starting out? Money has a as a big big part to play now in in football. With a lot of players earn a lot of money um, and championship football now. It's what I've seen it. The games change massively in that sense of. A lot of players don't need to get to the Premier League because they're played. They're paid Premier League money in Championship football, and it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a comfort blanket for them. Some of them. So for me, that it shouldn't happen. Your comfort blanket should be to play at the highest level as as, as possible and as long as you can. And and that's the goal is to play against the world's best players. You've you've obviously had those couple of years at Mill before that. I know you were doing the uh, the youth development side as well. You've had bits in both camp. Um, is the next step for you now to go into management and be a number one? Um, if, if the opportunity is right, yes. But it, for me, I just love my coaching. I love developing. Like you've touched on there, the development side of it, I think it lacks now. Um, the Like you say, working with the younger generation to get them to understand of where they need to get to and how they need to do it. Um, not just on the pitch, but off it is the, the, to try and get them to stay away from social media because social media can be very negative computers so we talk about the computer generation now where kids are playing computer games till three four o'clock in the morning and they think that's fine but yet when you've got to get up and you've got to train and you've got to play games that emotionally and that becomes mentally draining so it's, it's finding that balance and it's trying to get them it's trying to educate them into understands when's the right time to do it and when's the right times just to focus uh, and be prepared for what you need to do um, so I love the development side of it and I love if there's an opportunity for me to go in and, and develop again, then then great. Um, for me, it's it, it's just about being on the grass and working on a day-to-day -day basis with players, but also working with a group of staff members that you can have that understanding with and and, ha and have that work balance where you take turns with your roles and it's like a, an evolving sort of a development area with coaches as well. I love that. I love that environment where it's all free-flowing and you shouldn't have an opinion. Well, you should have an opinion, but it's it's on the same level and on the same page of where we're going as one. It's, it's interesting you speak about obviously the coaching side because we are seeing more and more now uh, coaches or managers are now head coaches and they're going into it a little bit younger than they would have previously. Um, and it seems to invoke, you know, managers, championship clubs going for the, for a coach rather than a manager. Um, yeah. Is that is that the type of kind of management head coach style that you see yourself very much kind of on the grass first and foremost a tracksuit yeah, manager yeah, rather than a guy in a suit and tie <laughs> no i think there's 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 times and there's places for wearing that for me i love i just love being on the grass i like you say i was a player for 22 years and i love being on the grass i love going the extra mile i love working hard doing extra training my coaches brought me up at, at a young age under grand taylor and kenny jacket of doing that so i'm no different i want to I want to keep that mould. People may say, oh, it's old-fashioned, um, it's an old style, the game's changing, but it's not. It's the basics. The basics of the games are, are to work hard, to, to do extra, because you never know when you're called upon. And that extra, if you're not playing and you're not doing them extras, then the manager's going to look at you and go, 
well, you're not really working hard enough because you're leaving the training ground early. So for me as a coach, if I'm working for a manager that wants that, then it's important that I'm on the training ground with them players, making sure that they're getting the extra training ready for when the manager does call upon them and they're, and they're prepared and they're, and they're in a mentally good place to go and do that. And then to take the shirt and, and, and to prove the manager that he's ready and he's raring to go. I know you've spoken a little about that, but if you could plot a course of how you'd like to get into the, the top job, how would it be? Obviously, you've done the development, you've done the, the assistant. I suppose you're probably all, already a couple of steps along that track. I think it's trust. I think it's like networking. I think people have obviously got to appreciate for you for what you are and, and giving you the responsibilities. Like you say, it's you have to meet people to get them to understand the way that you think and, and, and how you want to do things. But also you've got to understand the person that you're working with is how they want it to go. And, and you've got to be really communicating on, on, on that level of, of direction of, of, of where the football club needs to go. I, I listened to a great chat yesterday with, um, with Phil Giles and Thomas Franks at Brentford. And the model they've got there is superb with how they work and listening to them both. Yes, they have their own ideas. Yes, they have their own methods. But they work together and it's and it's a brilliant it's a brilliant model with when you look at it and how they talk about it and and that's the type of working environment i want to be working in i want to be working where we all have a discussion we all sit in a room but yet we're all on the same page for the football club in where we want to take it and that and and you look at it now it's the brentford model was getting stronger and stronger because they're all working together as one. And that's the type of environment I want to be involved in. It's quite a, it's been a versatile model, hasn't it? Because they started out as a more of a kind of real free-flowing football side in the Championship and League One. And when they've got to the Premier League, they've kind of adapted a little bit and become more direct to survive. Have you have you got like any kind of bold philosophy that you'd like to stick to in management, or is it about being versatile? My my bold philosophy on 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 football will never change. It's open communication and, and positivity and togetherness. Um, I think you have to have that as a whole working and trust. You've got to trust the people you work with and you've got to have that back. Um, and if you've got that, then you're creating an environment where um, you're signing the right players that, that will come into the same environment where you're trusting them. You do your background homework on them. Uh, you've got players and staff in the background working as well on the same on the same levels of, of, of making sure that we're collectively doing that. So, yeah, for me, I think my philosophy would be the same. I want to play attacking open football, but you've also got to have the right players for that. And, you, and you've got to have the players to understand the roles and responsibilities that you're giving them. Um, and, and also your staff members of what you're passing on to them is they've got to be passing the same message onto the same, onto them players as well. And they're not, they're not passing on different messages or otherwise you're always going to get mixed, um, mixed communication. Um, no. So for me, it's important that, that my philosophy is is the same as everyone else's, and that we're all we're all pulling in the same same direction, and, and we're all sending out the right messages to everybody. Rob, are you looking to get back in straight away? If you know, if someone were to phone you up tomorrow, you'd ju you'd jump back in tomorrow, or or is it very much about finding the you know the 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 right project for you? If if that's six months down the line, or you know nine months down the line. Yeah, I'm very open, Brian. I'm very open to communication, discussions. Um, I mean, if I don't feel it's right for me and, and my family, then that's my decision. Um, so, no, I'll be very patient in, in where my next job's coming. Um, uh, for me, it's important that I am closer to home now with, with my family, with what I've just um, had to do over the last two and a half years. I don't I don't want to put not only myself through that with my body and and um, and 
the way I was feeling towards the end of it, but also my family. I don't want to put my family at risk of them losing their dad again for another a long period of time of him being around and my wife not having that support around her when the boys have got a lot on. So yeah, yeah. it's gotta be it's gotta be right for both parties. But I'm no, I'm open to discussions to talk to people now. Um but my main at this moment in time, I, I really want to enjoy Christmas because I haven't had one for 25 years where I've had the opportunity just to switch off with the family. Um, and then in the new year, I'll, I'll, I'll look to be proactive and, and go and meet people and, and have communications and, yeah, and push myself out the, of, of the limits of where I want to be and what I want to do, but, but knowing that it's right from, just for me and my family. When you were saying the way it was making you feel, uh, I mean, exhausted would be the uh, would would be presumably be the, the way it made you feel. Was it? Is is, is that what you get yeah. out there? Yeah, definitely. I know borderline depression. I'm not afraid to. I'm not afraid to speak about it. I'm very open. I'm very honest. Um, there was there was times where I didn't want to get up. Um, the alarm would go off at quarter five in the morning, um, especially the dark mornings. Um, and I and I wouldn't want to get out of bed. I wouldn't want to get in the car. I wouldn't want to drive. But that was that. But that's also that's down to me. That was that was my option on doing that. That was my choice to 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 come home and drive. Um, so yeah, but they was they was the mixed emotions that I was feeling. Uh, but but even that, even when I was away, staying away from my family, it's not the same. You you stand in a different bed. You stand in a different environment. Your your kids are not around you. Your your wife's not around you. It's very hard to cope with that. But it was my job. It was that's what I love doing. And and I yes, I had to had to focus on that at times. But also there was times where I had real dark moments where, yeah, I, I, it was getting too much for me. I don't know that I should be surprised to hear you say that because I know anyone can 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 slip into 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 those pattern thoughts of patterns of thought, can't they? But I, I think what in the little bit that I knew you when when you were playing at Blues was you spoke a lot about mental strength and, and mental fortitude that it must have been a real curveball for you was it you know feeling those feelings and having those thoughts yeah it does it puts you in an, it puts you in a really uncomfortable place especially when you know you've got a young family um and the thought of maybe me one one time just falling asleep at the wheel um yeah, it, yeah. you bring back you bring back thoughts that you don't really want to have so yeah for me it was important that um I left Millwall on great terms, and and they've been they've been brilliant with me. I can't speak highly enough of them. The the CEO Steve Kavanagh, the the director of football Alex Aldridge, the chairman um, Jimmy Jimmy Berylson. Obviously, his his dad sadly passed away when we was in pre season. So the club took a hit. Um, obviously, Gary leaving was obviously a big a big curveball as well because no one really knew. Um, he kept it to himself. So yeah, you, yeah, it's great when you're in football, but obviously a lot of people don't see the other sides of it, of of the the darkness and um, the times where you do push your body to the limit and you do sometimes think, is it really worth it? Yeah, but no, the club have been been excellent with me, um, but also Brian, you know that I had the dark times at Birmingham coming towards the end of that that tenure um, with the under 18s and the under 21s, with a lot of stuff that was going on behind the scenes there, and I had similar feelings to to. The travelling at Millwall to the time at Birmingham when it was coming to an end. So, so yeah, I could, once I see that and once I I know that that's happening, then I know it's it's time for me to be back in in and around my family where I'm where I'm safe. That next opportunity for me, that that opportunity has got to be if there's if there's a decision where a club wants me, and they know what I'm all about and they know what I bring to to a football environment, 
that has got to be the same with my family and and they've got to, they've got to look after my family and that and that side of it also has got to be appreciated that they're going to do that uh, and what you bring to the football environment as you said earlier is is 22 years of experience as as a, as a professional player and and then you've been coaching for f- probably getting on for 5 years now haven't you robo um i've just yes. i've just in the build up to this i um i did a whistle whistle stop tour through your previous managers uh, and it, it reads like a who's who at, at times. And now I've probably missed some. I've probably missed a lot. Uh, but if we're starting off with Graham Taylor, Gianluca Vialli, Gary Megson, Brian Robson, Tony Mowbray, Owen Coyle, Neil Warnock, Lee Clark, Gary Rowett, Gianfranco Zola, Harry Redknapp, Steve Cottrell, Gary Monk. Which of those managers stand out for you? Or, you know, if you're, if you're taking something from each of them, what what are you drawing from in, in from from just that that huge wealth of, uh, of of footballing experience? The ones I'm obviously picking out are obviously Graham Taylor. My, obviously, would, would give me my opportunity as a, as a young lad at Watford to to play for the first team. Kenny Jacket as well. In that, them two together were were fantastic for me. Great mentors. Um, so from from my own personal development as a young kid, I couldn't have had a better upbringing with with them people around me and and where. They got me to and 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 the appreciate appreciation of how much they taught me from such a young age, but not realising it at the time. Um, I then obviously moved to West Brom and Gary Gary Megson was exactly the same. He had he had the uh, the same mentality of that winning mentality, um, the instillness of me as a player of developing my game to to the next level, um, and then moving on from that. Obviously, like Tony Mowbray's and Brian Robson's for me were. They were the two game changers in my eyes of the next two managers that obviously Tony Mowbray with his football philosophy and his knowledge was just exceptional. I loved I loved working and playing under him, even though at times people said that it, we, we didn't see eye to eye, but we did 100%. And it was fantastic to work with him and, and to see the way that he changes the games with the clubs that he's been at, like your Blackburns now. He's, he's changed the mindset there of how he wants them to play. Um, Sunderland now we're seeing it with such a young group of players of how he wants them to play yes they're going to lose loads of games but they're also going to win loads just because they're so entertaining and how he wants them to be free-flowing and then obviously Brian Robson was just I mean as a player it just speaks highly enough of as it is and and then as a manager himself I I just got inspired off him Um, just his different thinking of what the stuff that he'd picked up from being at Man United for over the years yeah it was just um a great collection of managers there. And I'd also say I touch on a little bit of the madness of Lee Clark, but I just loved, I just loved his passion and his commitment. And, and he also taught me and it, and it's, um, I think this is the biggest thing for me with what he had to deal with as a manager. He kept from the players. So he kept a lot of it from the players, but the pressure he must've been under working at Birmingham to deliver on a, on a small budget, to try and bring loan players in that he had to chop and change all the time with the with the January sort of scenarios with players leaving, having to go back to their parent clubs to then to rejig and think of. Yeah, I mean, I just admire him for that and, and what he did at Birmingham. Yeah, again, I just I just get them sort of. Yeah, a lot of stuff. Obviously, I pick up a lot of Gary Rowett and Gary Monk as well with similar managers with the way that they think. Um, so yeah, there's loads, but them them five I would say are the sort of the key ones for me with with how I've sort of tried to pick out certain things in in their coaching styles and management. 
you've presumably you've seen some great work presumably you've seen some mistakes as well uh, and things that handled the way that you wouldn't handle them can you give us any insight into into stuff you've you've, you've seen or experienced yourself and thought that oh, that's you know that's that's not great i'd have done that differently myself oh i wouldn't say it's it's not great i just think it's the way that then people are thinking i think like you say Jean-Bru- uh, Gianluca Viali and zola were similar i mean fantastic italian football players and I mean, to grace the Premier League and, and bring their style of football over is just something special to watch. And But as people, absolutely great human beings. And I had so much time from talking off the pitch. Um, but on it, it just didn't work. Um, at Watford, it never worked under, under Viali. And then at, at Birmingham, it never worked under Zola. And this happens in football, unfortunately. It's I could be the same. I could go to a football club and be the manager and it might not work. But yet I could go to another football club and it'll work. It's just the way it is. And and and, and it was just so hard to sort of see them type of, them types of people sort of struggle with trying to find the balance of the players that you're working with, but also trying to find a formation. But as people, I learned so much of them on, on how to be respectful and how to be gracious in 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 what they were around the training ground. Also, Steve Cottrell and Harry Redknapp were totally different people on the spectrum of uh, totally uh, nuts. Harry Redknapp was was crazy, uh, but it speaks for himself with his managerial career that he's had, and you can't fault that he's managed top 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 teams and top players, so it works. Um, at Birmingham, did it work? Again, do you look at the ownership with that not working and there being that unbalance of what I spoke about before of you've got to have you've got to have buy-in from everybody. You've got to be together. That's not only your staff, the players, but also the, the hierarchy. You've got to see and you've got to uh, be on the same same level of working. Um, the same with Steve Cotchell. Was he was he a little bit was he a little bit like inconsistent with his behaviours of like the way he acted sometimes or the way he come across to other people. It's, yeah, yeah, I mean, you'd learn, like, obviously, Lee Clarsley, then who took over. I really liked working with Lee. And he was, again, I'd, I'll get this one in because he was brilliant with me. But I don't think he quite understood that I wasn't ready to retire. But I understand with how he wanted to integrate me with, like, the, the managerial side of it. But I also know that you've got to have them communications from my side of it of knowing that, I wasn't quite ready to hang my boots up and yeah, I mean, it was great. It was great seeing Lee as well with how he, and he's done a great job with England under 21s with, with what he's done there. And it's fantastic to see that he likes that development side of it, but he also did a fantastic job at Brentford with when he took over the first team there and he won manager of the month. And yeah, it's just great learning curves for me and, and things that I will like, I will remember them. I will Never let them things go because they're great things to keep on side of you. But there's also things that I'd love to sort of pick bits of where you wouldn't do, but you would do. So you mentioned a lot of um, different managers and different skill sets there. One of the big things now, I suppose, with a, not just for a manager, but also for you've got like a sporting director and things like that and a massive recruitment team is like transfer windows. How how do you think you'd approach that from, from the management side, obviously having seen it as a player? You have to find a balance. You have to find a, a, a common ground of what well, we signing this player for the right reason, or why we signing this player. It's you have to be. You have to have that balance. You have to have the communication. So if you're sitting in the room and you've got a totally different um, 
opinion and a totally different view on I'm not signing him, I want to sign him, I'm not signing him, then you're not going to get anywhere. So you've got to find a balance with these people and you've got to work together. If you're not working together, then you're not going to get the right outcome. Um, but if you are working together, then you're only looking at the greater good of the club and where you want to take it. And that's, that's for me, that's, that's the positive side of it. That's what I want to be working in. I want to be working in an environment where it's all open, it's honest, and we're all on the same page in, in, in where we're wanting to go. And I don't want to be, yes, OK, there's players out there that you might find that you're signing them, but they've got that little bit of rough edge for them. But then that's understandable. But with me, that I like that. But I also, what I like is, is that I will have that communication with that player and I will help that player try and overcome the sort of the difficulties that he might have maybe off the pitch because I like the communication, I like the man management skills of it, but the club might see differently in that. And that's where you've got to find that balance where you're agreeing to, to or you're disagreeing to to agree and on finding the common ground of signing them players. I know I know some some managers don't like to go back to former clubs that have played for, um, but would, is that something you'd be open open to going back to one of the clubs that you've you've played for and managing them and coaching them? Well, yeah, because one, I I know the place, I know the culture, I know the history, I know the fan base. Um, so I think for me that's a massive positive in that. Um, you'll get the full package with me in, in understanding that if you do bring me back to the football club, then I have that connection. So I have a connection there. But also I know that time's changed. So for me, again, I'm redeveloping myself in that, in getting to understand new people and new players. But I'm, I'm that's for me, that's, that's what I love doing. I love meeting new people. I love things that have changed. And that's what you have to do. You have to get on board with that because the whole, the, the world's evolving, not just the game, the whole world, it's changing all the time. So you've got to go into a place where you're fully prepared to to redevelop yourself as a person. Um, but yeah, I have I have no problems going back to a place where I've been before. Um, but obviously, if it's changed, then I change. I become I I try and re re-energize myself and re and integrate by myself into into buying into the new culture that's happening on at the football club. The place where there's been a new culture is uh, is obviously Blues with with the new um, new ownership. And thankfully, a, a, a lot of investment, uh, or, or it looks like there's going to be some investment, both certainly off the pitch and, and hopefully on it as well. You welcome. You, I mean, you you saw what the last regime was like, and and, and playing and coaching under those. You must you must be thrilled to you know to see names like Tom Brady and you know Tom Wagner and people like that associated with Birmingham City now. Are you? Yeah, I think it's it's, it's a massive possible um, a massive positive for the city itself. Um, it gives a whole lot of people a lift. Um, it, it gives it gives the fans belief that there's owners now that are willing to put the money in. And we look, I mean, you just need to look at the stadium. Obviously, that wouldn't have got done under the old owners, and it still might not have the bottom tier open. It has now. It's getting seats in. It's nearly there. Um, the training grounds getting redeveloped. Um, the players, obviously, they've changed manager. So obviously, Wayne will now have in his mind certain players that he'll want to bring in. And the owners are going to back that, so I think it's, it's, it's it looks positive, more more positive from the outside looking in. So I think it's great. I think it's great for everybody and the city. How easy or difficult would it be, Robbo? To obviously Wayne's tried to change a style. Um, how easy or difficult would it be to get players to go from you know maybe maybe being a a, a low block direct side to making the pitch bigger and pl playing a bit more? Is 
what I mean, I yeah. Alex and Alex and I wouldn't have much insight into into the into the sort of the word the working how that what happens when you turn out at, at nine half nine and on a on a coat for training in the morning. How how different mm. is it? Well, it should be different because you've learned the game as a player. You should know the game inside out. You should know your roles. You should know your responsibilities. You you know positionally where you where you should be. Um, I think all Wayne's trying to do is he's trying he's trying to make them better on the ball. That's all it is, and and it is now. When you look at the championship, the championship's turned into a more possession based league, um, and and then the quality in the final third is to is to sort of dislodge teams to then go out and attack hard in the wide areas. And, and Wayne did it at Derby. He had the rotations. Maybe he's thinking at the moment in time is that he's had such a short space of time, he's not had the work to get into him. He's had inter international break now where he can get his teeth really into him over the last two weeks. And, and maybe we'll see a difference tomorrow against Sheffield Wednesday. But for me, it's not hard. It's, it's just to, it's to get the players to trust themselves and the management staff to believe in them, to go, you can do it as players. You can do it. And once you get that back in and once you get that belief, then as you grow, you like you get on the ball, you feel more confident. Um, obviously, they've missed players as well. Like Ethan Laird's been out for a while. He's coming back in. He's an attacking fullback that loves to get forward. So on the ball, he's good. You've got Dembele, who, okay, I've heard a lot of people saying, why is he not starting? But he's also a player that gets injured quite a lot. So there's that protection side of it. But when he does get on the ball and when he does, when he is involved, he's dangerous because he can attack people and he can and he can cause a lot of problems. You've got Miyoshi as well. He's the same. He's he's very attack-minded and he's very clever. And he scored a great goal last week against Sunderland when you see the move. And and I think it's I think it takes time. And once once Wayne implements the style of football that he wants, playing out from the back with John Ruddy and the defenders being comfortable on the ball, then I think you'll see a lot more interchange with the attacking players and the belief that they can do it as a group of players. I was I was going to ask about um, a few of the younger players that you may have worked with while you were at, at Blues. Um, yes, I think you've spoken before about about Jude Bellingham. Obviously, we're all amazed with the things that he's he's now doing on the on the world stage, and you know I think he's a, probably a contender to win a Ballon d'Or at some stage in his career. Can you give us a yeah. little bit of insight into your time working with him? I know you'd have been very young. Yeah, Jude was. A, I mean, he was an exceptional talent. Some th something that I've never seen before. Um, at the age of fifteen. His knowledge on the game, his ability to do it as well. Uh, not only with one foot, with both. That was the scary thing about it. He could do it all with his left foot as well. Even though that was his, you would say, at the time was his weaker foot. He was very balanced. Um, his, his his knowledge and his, un, um, like you say, his willingness to learn was exceptional. So I, I loved working with Jude and his attitude. And we've just seen from where he's gone from strength to strength. It's just, it's phenomenal. And he will only get better and he will captain teams later on in life, 100%. And then you've seen his brother, Joe, exactly the same last year. Obviously, I worked with Joe bits, just dipping in at the time towards my end um, when I was working at Birmingham. I've got, you, like you say, I've worked with like you, George Halls, mm. you, Jordan James. I love Jordan James as a player. I think he's a very, a very talented midfield player. And I think we're now seeing the best of him. And I think Wayne now is obviously playing and trusting him more as well. And I, I think we'll see him grow and grow as a player. George, obviously, he's been so unlucky with injuries. I think he just needs to um, get himself back to, not just getting himself back to a training training routine, um, a level of playing. And then uh, I know he's been playing under 21s games to build himself back in, but it'd be great to see him back in the first team because, again, he's an exceptional talent. 
you've got your like your Josh Williams in the backgrounds, your your Mar Marcel Oakley's, your your Alfie chat. Obviously, Alfie is a, a massive loss with his injury as well. He's had a he's had a real bad injury, but he's another one. He's a very talented midfield player who gets on the ball and wants to play. He wants to dictate play. So the future's looking good. I've seen obviously. Um, Ramel, who I never worked with, but he's coming through the ranks who Rock Wayne speaks very highly of. Um, and if there's some others there that I've missed, and I put Rico Brown, the centre half, who, I, who I've got a lot of time for, I really like him. Um, will he come through and will he have his opportunity in the first team? Only time will tell. So there's a lot of young players there that are chomping at the bit to, to get in. So, yeah, it's only a matter of time for Wayne to give them the trust and, and believe in them to come through. So, so, yeah, there's a lot of young lads there. But, yeah, the, the Jude one for me, I, I don't think I'll ever see someone of that ability at that age ever again. Who, And if it will be, I don't, I, I'll have to wait and see that. With with JJ, uh, what, what position do you think in the midfield he'll take up long term? Because he's kind of drifted between two or three roles this season. Where do you think his long term future lies? I think if, if Wayne plays the 4-3-3, the, the three, then I see him as one of the advanced, advanced midfield players. Um, he's got great energy. He can cover the ground. He's like you say. He's, he's got an eye for for either getting the ball in the box in in good areas or feeding um, final third parties through the lines. But yeah, I think like you say, the only thing you'd like to see JJ add to his game is goals. But um, but that will come. The more he plays and the more he gets advanced in them areas, then the more goals he'll try and score. So yeah, I, I see him as more as that advanced midfield role um, position. Do you worry about? George is um, that the hamstrings, three hamstrings in a, in in sort of seven months. Do you worry about that for stopping him fulfilling his potential, or is it just sort of like you look back at Stephen Gerrard and think that his his when he was sort of yeah. George's age, he picked up tons and tons of injuries as well, didn't he? Then he played like three hundred games un unbroken, sort of thing. Yeah, and and, the, and the, the fantastic medical staff that work at Birmingham are probably they're, they're probably logging their heads together to see how we can now create a program for George where we're gradually building him up. Um, and is it a, is it a mind is it a mind thing as well with George? Can he is is he gets to a certain level where he thinks he can't push himself enough? I think, like you say, as as players, you you've sometimes you've got to, you've got to break yourself to get through that period and that that might sometimes happen where you pick up an injury or two um just because of the fact is that you're pushing your body to limits that you didn't think that you had but sometimes your mind can play on that and sometimes your mind it's you've just got to let that go and just let your body be free flowing and accept that you, you you're going to push yourself to limits that you didn't think you really had so i think yeah maybe there there'll be a plan in place now for george where he's he's just got to gradually build himself to, to getting used to first team football and then uh, once he's got used to that and then hopefully we'll see him grow and grow as a player. But yeah, it's a, it, it, it probably is as frustrating for George as it is. is he's, He probably doesn't want this stop start with his hamstring injury. Um, so now he's, he's finding that right balance where he's just got to build himself up and, and understand his body a little bit better. Robbo, um, I, I suppose the million dollar question is, is, uh, you know, at some point in, in the future, um, you know, if it's one years or five years or however long it is, mm. would you ever see yourself sitting in the Birmingham City dugout as as, as the number one? Who knows? Um, I'm, uh, for me, it's it's day by day at the moment. It's it's month by month. It's it's year by year. If I get the opportunity to do that at one stage in my career, then that'd be brilliant. And and at least I know then that I'll be I'll be ready for that. I I feel ready, 
Am I ready now? Not too sure. Um, obviously, I'm not ready because I'm I'm not in work. <laughs> so for me, the most important thing for me is that um, I'm finding the right job next. Um, I'm on the grass. I'm working hard. And and one day, yes, I'd love to be manager of a football club. Um, if it's Birmingham, West Brom, Watford, the clubs that I've managed. If not, if it's somewhere else, starting lower to build my reputation up, then I'm I'm happy with that. I just I just know from me that I just yeah I just love working on the grass. Paul Robinson, Birmingham City and West Brom legend. Thank you very much for your time today. Really appreciate your your honesty and 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 the insight you've given us to to what it's like to 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 have a family and uh, still operate in, in, a, in a really difficult and demanding business. So really appreciate your time, Robbo. Thank you very much. No worries, Brian. Cheers, mate. Cheers, Alex. Thank you. Thank you.